people's sin. Amen. Let me add my welcome to you this morning. I'm Pastor Jim. It's my privilege to serve here as the senior pastor at Bethel for the last 20 years. Yes, I started when I was 10. Thank you so much. And I'm so glad to be here in this house and grateful for the opportunity to spend this time together with you this morning. I'd also like to add my invitation to this evening's festivities down in North Central for the Global Day of Prayer. I am not an really a big event person. I, there was a time in my life when I was more of that. Um, but I just have a sense that God's, there's something around this time. Uh, tonight as the Twin Cities gather together for worship, for prayer. So um, if you're able to join us, uh, meet us here at 4.30 to carpool. And uh, the youth are meeting here and uh, the van is available to be taken. So uh, come and join and uh also, tomorrow night, this just came up this week, I found out about this, and I'm, uh, I, I like things, kind of my ducks in a row and scheduled out a ways, okay, but I found out about this week, that Monday night, there is uh, going to be a unity prayer walk um, on both sides of Lake Street Bridge, uh, coming over and meeting in the middle at 7 o'clock, and I just feel a quickening about that, and I'm going to be there, uh, I'll be here. 6.45, and if you want to join us to come on over, uh, it'll be a very simple time, but I think there's something significant about that, that uh, Melanie, whose last name I forget, who's uh, heading up the 90 Days of Blessing, which follows up the Global Day of Prayer, is helping to coordinate that and just have a real sense of something stirring around that. So, if you're available tomorrow evening, come and join as well. All right, let's uh, step in this morning. We are in the fourth week, fourth Sunday, of a series that we have begun back at the beginning of the month of May, entitled One Month to Live, and asking ourselves that very simple but very um, challenging question, what if? What if you found out that you only had one month to live. How might that transform your perspective? What might that do to your plans? What effect would that have upon the way in which you live your life in the present, here, now? Over the last several weeks, we've looked at a number of different things. We looked at living the dash. Go into any cemetery anywhere around the country and you'll find headstones. And those headstones will have, generally, they might, they'll have a name and might have some words, but they, virtually all of them have two dates, a birth date, a death date, and a dash in between. And so the key question that we've been asking ourselves is, how do we live in the dash? 
What do we do with that dash? Because we've all been gifted and given the dash. The second thing that we looked at was loving completely. Recognizing that love comes from God, and and Tom kind of pressed us into there a bit more this morning, and that was very helpful. His desire, his love for us, and then how that love gets translated out to others. Loving completely. Last week, Dr. Murali was here from India. And I don't know about you, but in the time that I had to interact with him and just the time that he preached, um, I was deeply challenged by a life that is being lived out the very way in which we are discussing here with our one month to live. The radical call of God in his life, which changed the direction and course of his life for eternity, as well as for the here and now. By the way... We just need to give the Lord a bit of a shout here. Um, just last week and the week before, just in our, in our missions offerings here, we raised over $3,000 towards the mother-baby unit, and many of you participated as well in the banquet, the United Fellowship Outreach Banquet and all of those things. And in the two weeks that Dr. Moore Lee was here with us, they already have raised over $80,000 for the mother-daughter-baby yeah. God's bank is not in foreclosure. His resources are not limited. So, praise God. Well, this morning on this Pentecost Sunday, we are going to be looking at yet another aspect of this one month to live. And that is, we're going to be looking at living passionately. Living passionately. We have one month to live. We want to live the dash. We want to love completely. And we want to live passionately. Now I want to, before we begin, I just want to frame this for just a moment because I don't want us to misunderstand what passion means. Sometimes we think that passion has to do simply or solely with the intensity of our emotions. And to some extent that is true because emotions are deeply intertwined with our soul and are connected to our spirit in the very center of who we are. However, when I'm talking about passion, we're talking about something more than simply an emotional whoosh of energy. When we're talking about passion, we're talking about something that is at the very core of who we are and the way God has created us to be and what He has created us to do. This is integrally connected with the previous series that we just did on radical shift. When we talked about radical shift, we talked about radical means being returning to the roots. When we're talking about living passionately, we're talking about going back to the very roots of the way in which we have been created and the purpose for which we have been created for. So emotion is a part of that. Intensity is a part of that. 
living passionately, but that intensity and that emotion is not something that we sort of work up from the outside, but it's something that when we are tapped in to the wellspring of the life of God in us, that passion begins to be unleashed and begins to flow in and through us. Does this make sense? So it's deep calling to deep. And I want to talk about that for a little while this morning. And we've got a wonderful testimony coming today from Katie Icarella. So she'll be sharing in just a little bit in the context of my message here this morning. Live passionately. Well, if you're going to live passionately, the first step of living passionately is to find your passion. Everybody say, ooh and ah. Ooh, ah. Okay, yeah. All right. Find your passion. If you have your Bible, come with me to Ephesians chapter 2, if you would, please. If you don't have a Bible with you, please utilize this Bible that's located right in front of you in the uh, seat pocket and turn to page... 827. I love this scripture. This is a very powerful scripture for understanding what we're talking about this morning, living passionately. Ephesians chapter 2. As for you. Who's he talking about? Me. Me is you. Us is you. We're you. Paul is writing to us and he says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in all of those who in those who are disobedient i was dead you were dead we were dead well that's happy news all right let's go on All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Now Paul gives us here yet another sobering reminder of who we were. Not only were we dead, but we were enslaved. Not only were we dead and enslaved, we were condemned.
This is reality. This is our life without God. Dead, enslaved, condemned. One of my favorite words in all of the Scripture is right there at the beginning of verse 4. I love it. But. (laughs) I don't know about you, but that makes me very happy. Because it means that there's some other news coming. But! Because of His great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages, He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. We were dead, He made us alive. We were enslaved and He lifted us up. We were condemned and He saved us. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us. It is by grace that we have been saved through faith. Faith is our response to the extending of His grace. Grace is the gift that He has given to us. The hope that He has given to us. Because of what Christ did on the cross, when He, sinless though He was, went to the cross and died and took our sins upon Himself, and went to the grave, and then was resurrected in life for us through His life, death, and resurrection. He has purchased salvation for us to make us alive, to lift us up, to seat us in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And to save us. And we must respond through faith. Through faith. Through reaching out and taking hold of that gift 
which has been given to us. Which happens through repenting and receiving. By acknowledging and recognizing how we have gone astray, how we have sinned, how we have turned, and how we have looked to ourselves for salvation, for provision, for all things, to free ourselves, to do all of that, to fix our lives. But when we repent, we turn, we say, we agree with God, yes, I am a sinner and I must turn. And we receive this gift of grace and are welcomed into relationship. And it's for a purpose. It is to fulfill our destiny, our calling. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. This word workmanship is a wonderful word. We are God's workmanship. We are His work of art. We are His masterpiece. Turn to the person somewhere by you and say, you, well, okay, now I just had a pastoral moment. I was going to say, you can tell your neighbor, you are a piece of work. But that probably doesn't quite capture what we're trying to go after here this morning, okay? So we'll simply stick with, you are a masterpiece. Would you look at somebody by you and just say, you are a masterpiece? Now, I don't know about you, but that's a little hard to do. It's, it's maybe easier to say than it is to hear because we say, well, not me. <laughs> but it is true of you. You are God's masterpiece. Recently, I had the privilege of doing another Crossing the Bridge which is the, uh, the final step in our Bridges to Ministry course, which is where, you know, which serves as our membership class. And it's really about helping people discover who they are and who God's made them to be. And, and it was incredibly fun. And I was overwhelmed again as I sat with these folks who were going through the course and, and just, I was, I was, I was literally in awe of the unique ways in which God had made each of those individuals. And one of the things that we do in the Crossing the Bridge is we invite people to discover their ministry shape, that each of us have a ministry shape. And for those of you that haven't been through the course or those of you that haven't been in a while, let me remind you of what that shape acronym stands for. It stands, first of all, for your spiritual gifts. God has given every single person in here who is a believer in Christ 
When you come to Christ, the Spirit of God comes and dwells within you. And He is the giver of gifts. And He has implanted into you specific and particular spiritual gifts. He has also given you heart and passion for certain things. He has given you things that, that, that draw you, that are of concern to your heart, things that you enjoy doing, things that you desire, things that you long to, you know, things, things that, that, that turn you up when you get near them. He has given you particular abilities and talents that connect into those gifts and to those heart passions which enable you to continue to do and fulfill the things that He has called you to do. He has given you a personality. And that personality is shaped in a particular way that connects with those gifts and heart and passion and those abilities. And He has given you specific experiences. And those experiences are not by accident, but they are also a part of the way in God in which God has shaped your life. And one of the things that you and I need to discover in our lives is our ministry shape because it is where our ministry shape and the needs of the world intersect that our calling comes out. There are things for every person in this room, when you get near those things, something goes off in your spirit, explodes within you, and you say, I've just got to be a part of that. If you're going to live passionately, you need to find your passion. Secondly, you need to follow your passion. Turn with me to the book of Acts. So come back a a few pages in your Bible to Acts chapter 26. Paul is standing before Agrippa, the ruler. He's on trial. This is towards the end of his life. And he begins to share with Agrippa his testimony. He says in verse 9, I too was convinced that I had to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the saints in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. And in my obsession against them, I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. Acts 26 now, verse 12. So Paul had, he was, he had a passion. He had found what his passion was. His passion was to persecute and kill Christians. And he was following his passion. And suddenly, he had a meeting that he didn't expect to have. A meeting that was called in his absence. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. And about noon, O king, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. And we all fell to the ground. And I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. 
Now God, I love the way God speaks because He speaks in a language we'll understand. Spoke to him in Aramaic. And he spoke to him and used a, a sort of a common idiom. Why on earth are you trying, Saul, to keep going against your destiny? So I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. And I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in Me. Now, I love what Paul says next. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. First to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and to the Gentiles also, I preached that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. So here, Paul says, I was not disobedient to the vision you gave me. I followed the passion that was birthed there on the Damascus Road. Now, not all of us will have as dramatic a calling as Paul had, but all of us are called of God. He meets us and He's maybe meeting you even here this morning to call you. And when He calls us, you've heard me share this before, but I'm going to share it with you again to remind you of the calling of the Lord in our life. We need to listen for His voice when He speaks and when He says, come to Me. This very morning, for some of you, the Lord may be saying, come to Me. It is the invitation of salvation. It's the invitation to have a new identity in your life and in mine. No longer simply going through life, occupying space and breathing air, but now I have an identity as a child of God. But he doesn't stop there because he says, come after me. It's the invitation of discipleship. It's the call of intentionality. It says, I'm going to reorient your life from now on. Your life is not your own. Because I'm not only your Savior, but I'm your Lord. Your Master. And I have reign and rule over your life. And it is my right... to reorient your life, to get you aligned to My truth and to My purposes and to My plans. That's His right. Because He's Lord. More than just your Savior. Oh, He's all of that. But He's your Lord as well. But he doesn't stop there because he says, come with me. And this is the invitation of friendship. 
is John 15 where he says, I not only call you servants, but I have called you friend. This is the invitation of destiny, of intimacy with Him, where we go with Him. As it said in, in, in the book of Acts, earlier in the book of Acts, it talked about the disciples and the leaders were saying, you know, we're amazed. These guys are not educated. They don't have much going on from an external standpoint. But they took note that they had been what? With Jesus. When Jesus called the apostles, He called them that they would be what? With Him. And it's with Him that we will find our true destiny and we will follow our passion. Because He, ultimately, it's about being with Him. It's about where you are, Lord. That's where I want to be. That's what it means to follow your passion. It's to follow Jesus. It's to walk with Him in close, intimate friendship with Him. To hear His voice when He says, here is what I want you to do. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. King Agrippa. I don't know about you, but that's something that I want to be able to say when I have the opportunity to stand before God or before others to say, I wasn't disobedient to the heavenly vision. Katie Icarella is going to share a testimony this morning about the Lord helping her in terms of finding her passion and beginning to follow her passion. And then I'm going to close up at the end after she shares with us. But she's going to give us just a bit of what she's been doing these last 12, 16, mo- 16 months, right? 16 months in Indonesia. Let's welcome Katie this morning. I have a PowerPoint. Um, oh. Hi, my name is Katie Icarella, for those of you who don't know me. Um, I've been coming to Bethel since I was, I think, 10, so it's been about 11 years. Um, yeah, I went to on mission trips with a youth group here when I was in youth group, and that's where the Lord really started to stir the passion for missions in my heart. And um, yeah, I'm part of a college called Bethany College of Missions, and I'm just finishing up my last semester this summer. But part of that program is spending 16 months overseas on a global internship. So we spend time on campus learning how to do missions, and then we go and we do it, and we do it on the field, and we we read it out of a book, and then we go outside and we do it. And so, um, (laughs) very hands-on. I was in uh, an island called Batam, Indonesia. And this island is... um, Very interesting because just 35 years ago, it only had about 100 people, and now it has over a million. Um, They're developing it very quickly, and with that kind of quick development comes lots of problems such as um, sex trafficking and street children, and you have all those problems that come along with such a a fast transition. Um, This is the biggest bridge they have there. It's called Barelang, and all the people go hang out there. Um, This is my house to the left. I was there with a team of uh, five other girls, and... Some, some guys, but we all, all the girls lived in this house. This is a night scene of Batam. Um, Batam is located, this is Indonesia, between the two green islands up 
there's like a little tiny grouping of islands on the darker green island. It's called the Riau, and Batam's right in there. It's a very small island. It's um, not on most maps. This is my team. Um, yeah, we we all did our freshman year together at Bethany, and we're all called to Indonesia separately. And um, some of my teammates are here today if you want to talk to them after. Um, the Lord really taught us a lot within teamwork. Um, I like to say servanthood is like hugging a cactus. Um, <laughs> you just have to embrace it, and sometimes it hurts. And yeah, but out of that, there's so much, so much joy when you when you serve people. The love that comes, and I don't know, you get closer to your Savior because He's a servant of men, and you become more like Him. Um, these are just some snapshots of Indonesia. Um, we were able to travel around a little bit, um, but most of the time we were in Batam. So, street kids, like I talked about before, there's um, a number of street kids in Batam, and that is where I found myself um, a lot of the time spending time with these kids and um, just loving on them. And to be completely honest with you guys, I thought Batam was a punishment from God when I first got there. For the first four months, I I hated it, and I cried, and I didn't want to go outside of my room. And, um, yeah, but just pushing in and saying, yes, God, you are faithful. You have provided all of my needs for this trip. You've told me to come here. I will push into this this pain. And I left sobbing my eyes out. You guys, these kids are amazing. And just asking God to give me my heart, his heart for these people. Because I didn't have the love inside of myself for these people. When I went before the Lord and I said, God, I don't love it here. God, I do not love it here. I need your love for these people because he loves each and every one of these people. He loves each and every one of these kids. And, yeah, he's faithful and he gave me that love for these people. These are just some of them. Um, yeah. We taught them English, and we played futsal with them. In like a, futsal is like inside soccer. It's like inside a big net. And, yeah, it's a lot more fun, <laughs> I think. We were also involved in a, a, in a prison. We were able to teach English inside the prison and um, just spend time with some of the children. They're in the kids' block, so their age is like under 18. But the youngest, I think, was 13 years old, and he had seven years to serve. And it's kind of young. Um, these are my some of my Indonesian friends. Up on the right is a blind man named Tili. And, um, yeah, there's a um, an NGO, a non-government organization on Batam that has a couple houses there, and one of them is a blind massage place, so it gives jobs to people that are blind. And, um, yeah, so that they don't have to beg for money on the street, which is what a lot of blind blind men do in, in Batam. Um, so he is one of my friends. I was involved in that organization. These are just other friends I had. Um, yeah. Only 13% of Muslims in Indonesia have a Christian friend. And so these are all Muslim people in these pictures. And just living my life with them and loving on them is, is something that I think um, God called me to do. And he loves them. He loves them, and it's his love through me. I can't love them without him. 
God came to set free the captives. He came to love the street kids. He came to heal the blind. And it's that love that he gives to me that I can do this. He gives us the desires of our heart. Our passions are only from him. I want to thank you guys for all your support while I was over there. And yeah, you really showed me the body of Christ when I was there. And I, I really just want to say thank you. And I appreciate all that you guys have done in supporting me and joining with me in this journey. Thank you. so much, Katie. Well, live passionately. Find your passion. Follow your passion. Feel your passion. Paul says in Colossians, I labor with all his energy working through me. I don't know if any of you have ever tried to live passionately in your own strength. Been there, done that. I got the t-shirts to prove it. And I guarantee you You try to do that in and of yourself, and you will consume yourself. We are not in a sprint, but we are in a marathon. Passionate living is not just for a moment. It is for a lifetime. And there is no way that you or I or anyone on earth can live passionate outside of connecting in to the source. Here we are on Pentecost Sunday, and so we're going to come to Acts chapter 1. So if you've got your Bible, come to Acts chapter 1. And Jesus says on one occasion, on one occasion while He was eating with them, He gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked Him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And of course we know then, if you've read the book, Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled 
the whole house where they were sitting, and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them, how many? How many of them were? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. All. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. All. All were filled. All received. All. You and I, we must connect to the source. We first of all need to discover our ministry shape. We then need to listen to His voice. And then we must connect to the source in order to have the strength and capacity to listen and follow and be obedient to His voice. And if we are going to fully live out the destiny that He has given to us, cannot do this without oil in the tank. And thankfully, we've got oil. The oil of the Spirit of the living God. So, every single one of us has been given an assignment from the Lord. The assignment is embedded in this prophetic word. You will be my witnesses. This is the assignment that all of us have been given. It comes about and we live it out in all kinds of ways, in all kinds of places, in workplaces, in schools, in neighborhoods, in homes, around the world, in Indonesia and in other places. We live out the assignment that He has given to us, but all of us have been given an assignment to be His witnesses, to witness to that which He has done. And we have been given an authority This authority is not from ourselves. The authority comes from the Father. But He gives us not only an assignment, but an authority to do the work to which He has called us to do. And He's given us an anointing. An anointing that comes from the Spirit of God. It's the life of God flowing in us. So today, how about you? You know your assignment? Do you recognize that you have authority? Have you received that anointing that He gives for you for the assignment and with the authority that He has given you? Have you received that? Are you walking in that? Are you living in that? I think it was Dale who said, or somebody recently, to live naturally supernatural lives. We're to live naturally supernatural lives. That's now your native, that's, that is your native land. It's the supernatural. Ah. Worship team, come on up if you would. Thank you. 
whatever you sense, James, to respond here, is we're going to respond this morning. Our question again is, what if? What if you had one month? What if we had one month to live? What if this church had one month of existence left? Would we live passionately? Our calling as Bethel Christian Fellowship is to radiate life and joy as a house of prayer for all nations. Are we radiating life and joy? Are we fulfilling, are we we living out our identity as a house with hospitality, with prayer, that spirituality, with all nations, the spirituality? Are we living out our identity? Are we living out our destiny of radiating His life and His joy? about your life? Have you connected in? Do you have your identity in Christ? Are you living out as an intentional disciple of His? Have you come into intimacy and friendship with Him and discovered your destiny? Are you living this out? This morning. Live today in light of tomorrow. Since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. There is no limit to God's filling when we are overflowing. I just read that again this morning just as I was reading devotionally in the Word. John the Baptist in John chapter 3. God gives the Spirit without limit. Enthusiasm. You know the, the actual word here. God, N, N is in. Enthusiasm is God. It's Allowing God's dream to live in and through you. If you aren't living enthusiastically, perhaps it's because you've not connected into God's dream for you. And He wants to live His dream in and through you today. Next week, leave a legacy. We're going to have a very special time together next week. We're going to be recognizing our children's workers, and we're going to particularly be having a time to celebrate with Lynn Talia Farrow, who is taking a sabbatical break after about a decade working with our kingdom kids, pouring into them. She's going to be sharing her testimony next week, and we're going to be celebrating her and our others who are leaving a legacy in that way, but we're going to be, it's going to be a wonderful time, so don't, don't miss it. So this morning, how about you? Find your passion, follow your passion, feel your passion. This morning we're going to, we had a marvelous time last Sunday night in our outpouring of restoration service and the Spirit of God is still just very, you know, He's not tired out. He's got plenty more to give. And you need this morning, 
a touch from the Lord in whatever area of your life and you want to receive that fullness of His filling this morning, would you come and receive today on this Pentecost Sunday a fresh filling? God who is always present, very present with us now, standing under the waterfall of His love. This morning I had that picture again of the Lord just coming with the waterfall. And one of the other people who was praying said, when they saw that picture, they saw it as well, and they saw us standing under the waterfall with a two-liter bottle with the little, you know, the little trying to catch the waterfall. But let's open up, open up the vessels of our heart and receive this morning the fullness of His anointing and presence today. Could you please stand to your feet right now? And if you'd like to come, our prayer team is coming right now. Elders and prayer, prayer team members, altar workers are coming right now. And they're here to pray with you and ask 